Uh, Father, we ask for your uh, blessing over this time. We pray that you open our ears to hear, that you uh, let your word flow into our mind and sanctify us and make us more Christ-like in our walk. Father, we pray that we understand what your word is saying in our life and how that might um, have application in the things that we do each day. And we pray this and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Before we get to our topic this morning, uh, you'll remember <clears throat> that in the past, uh, last year, we taught on uh, worldview and the development of how the culture got where it is and the differing worldviews as opposed to uh, a Christian worldview. And it's interesting, the, um, <clears throat> even a lot of people uh, in the secular society see what's happening around us. And I ran across an article a couple of weeks ago in the Asia Times by David Goldman, and he's talking about <clears throat> politics here in the United States um, and the existential roots of what we see happening. And I thought I wanted to read to you, not the whole article, like I said, most of it's about politics, but a few <clears throat> um, paragraphs from this because I think it's a great contrast to what we're teaching on and uh, what we have taught on and the uh, importance of wisdom uh, being part of our walk and of the Christian worldview. Um, so it's a real contrast between um, what's going on in our society. And he's talking in here about politics and about all of these protesters that we see on college campuses and elsewhere and, um, you know, what they're doing and the signs they're holding up. And he says, and I don't know that this guy's a Christian. I think that he's has a somewhat of a Christian view but um, is, may not be a believer. Um, <clears throat> but he's saying that we need to have our own signs that we hold up. Like, uh, and he's quoting James Carville, we need a sign that reminds us it's the culture, stupid. So he goes on and he says, one big idea unifies all of Nietzsche's offsprings, the Marxists, the Freudians, the French existentialists, the critical theorists, the deconstructionist, the queer theorist. And that is the right to self-invention. That's what they're saying. <clears throat> this is the cruelest hoax ever perpetuated on human beings, for we are not clever or strong enough to reinvent ourselves. To the extent we succeed, we become monsters. In the Judeo-Christian past, human beings had a destiny, men to earn bread by the sweat of their brow and women to bear children in pain. People knew that their impulses must be subordinated to the requirements of God and nature. Since the French Revolution, progressives have sought to overthrow the regime of obligation in favor of the right to self-definition. Before the 2016 presidential election, they thought they had succeeded. Justice Anthony Kennedy enshrined it in common law in the Obergefell uh, gay marriage decision, and he wrote <clears throat> in that decision, the Constitution promises liberty to all within its reach, a liberty that includes specific rights that allow persons within a lawful realm to define and express their identity. 
And then he goes on in the article a little bit further, and he says the progressives made their stand on transgender issues because it appears to be the triumph of self-invention over nature and tradition. That is a cruel joke on the tiny number of individuals who feel compelled to live their lives in the gender opposite to that of their birth. They have no choice in the matter and live difficult lives. That puts the question of the meaning of life in a different light. In the brave new progressive world, life means whatever you want it to mean. It is up to you to invent a meaning that suits you, which you may change whenever it occurs to you to do so. That is what Nietzsche meant by affirmation of life. Because life itself is so miserable and pointless, each individual must affirm life by an arbitrary act of will. The trouble is that if life can have any meaning you assign to it, then it has no meaning in particular. Your life is meaningless in the strict sense of the world. To the trick question, black li- do black lives matter? I propose, he says, I propose no, but neither do anyone else's. So I thought, you know, from a secular worldview <clears throat> or perspective, he's really nailed the, the uh, situation that we see around us in the culture today. And so what we're going to look at today, in contrast to that, is Wisdom's Wind. We're working from um, a book by Richard Mayhew called Practicing Proverbs. And he entitles this chapter Wisdom's Wind because uh, he's looking at how Proverbs and really all of God's law and precepts fill our sails and can direct us. And he starts out the chapter, and he's talking about a book that he found uh, that was a sailor's dictionary. And it describes sailing this way, the fine art of getting wet and becoming ill while, while slowly going nowhere at great expense. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. And he said that's true not only of sailing, but also of the spiritual life, unless we, unless we are propelled through life by the gentle breeze of God's transforming wisdom. So, that observation raises the question, how can wisdom's wind fill the sails of my life so that the journey will be safe and I ultimately arrive at the destination of God's choice? So, how can it transform my life? How can it push me forward? How can it give me direction? Well, you know, one of the ways that we do that, obviously, is by studying God's Word and by listening to God's Word uh, and what it says to us. And I want to take us and read extensively here from Psalm 119. So if you'd like to turn to that and read with me, I'd welcome you to do that because I think that we see, uh, we're not sure if David was the author or who the author was here, But I think we see how wisdoms win, how God's law and precepts are the anchor in his life here. And it starts out, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart 
who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways might be steadfast, may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the, ways of, in the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner in the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for all your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, that I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will give it I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my, with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and it shall not be put to shame, for I find delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. 
Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life, that the insolent may, that the insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on your ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of, the, of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Therefore, or before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but my whole heart I keep with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. Persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep your, the testimonies of your mouth. 
Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but consider your testimonies. But I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandments are exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I have kept your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually. But I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform statutes, your statutes forever, to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give me your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all of your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your word gives light It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me. It is your way with those who love your name. 
Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servants, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed screams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live with My whole heart I cry, answer me, Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord, according to your justice. Give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of the righteous rules Your righteous rules endure forever. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, and you Teach me your statutes, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, but I do not forget your commandments. What a great reminder of where our life should be focused and 
how God's word acts as a rudder in the storm and as a wind to fill our sails and give us direction. Let me read to you from Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. It says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city's gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So there's a promise we can hang on to when we allow God's Word to fill our life and to obey God's Word and to see application of that as we do through uh, Proverbs. And the writer of Proverbs there puts wisdom in street language, figuratively portrayed as a woman crying out in the city. Wisdom beckons the people to turn from their sinful scoffing to God's reproof and its attendant reward. Jesus parallels the same idea with his parable parable of the two builders, where he says in Matthew 7, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So your spiritual transformation began when you received Christ as Savior and Lord. Paul describes him, Jesus, as the one whom all in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God's gift, His Holy Spirit, comes to indwell believers with what Isaiah calls the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Paul reminds us that 
the one to whom glory will be given forever, is the only wise God. Referring to God the Father. Therefore, your relationship to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit refers to a union with pure wisdom. Thus, your transformation, your sanctification, comes by the personal presence and power of divine wisdom in your life. Only by the gracious divine transformation of sinners can anyone hope to practice the wisdom of Proverbs. So that's what we're looking for, is the letting the word sanctify us so that we become wise. And what does that look like? What is wisdom's fruit? Uh, that's one way we can distinguish what wisdom looks like that's biblically based, that's, that comes from the Holy Spirit working in our lives and changing us as opposed to the wisdom of the world. Let's read in James chapter 3, starting in verse 13, what it says about the two different types of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So in there, we're seeing that James distinguishes between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom that comes from our relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit and with God the Father. Wisdom from God will reflect good conduct and gentle character, while the counterfeit wisdom of demons or humans produces evil and disorder. So, let's take a look at what that looks like in our daily walk. If we let wisdom from Proverbs and from all of God's law fill our lives and fill our sails and be the thing that sanctifies us, let's see what that looks like. There's eight characteristics of wisdom that authenticate truly godly wisdom. And the first one is that The first characteristic is that it is pure. The premier feature of godly wisdom that involves cleanness, or put it another way, the absence of sin's pollution. Wisdom and a desire for sinlessness are synonymous. The church should be pure like a chaste virgin, according to 2 Corinthians 11. Christians need to think on pure things. Um, according to Philippians 4, chapter, or 4 of verse 8. And leaders of the church need to be kept pure, according to 1 Timothy 5, 22. As Christ wisely understood the impure lure of sin, so should you. Therefore, all wisdom of God will be morally and ethically spotless and in keeping with God's attribute of holiness. 
Secondly, peaceable. Another characteristic, peaceable. Wisdom makes peace, not war. Peacemakers are called sons of God in Matthew 5, 9. Peaceful unity is encouraged all through Psalm 133. Peace appears among the fruit produced by God's Spirit in Galatians 5.22. And we are told to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts in Colossians 3.15. And Christ himself is called the Prince of Peace. Third, a characteristic that it authenticates truly godly wisdom is gentle or gentleness. The Greek word translated gentle contains much more than our English word conveys. There are a few descriptive uh, phrases that might help our understanding of it. It means sweet reasonableness or going the second mile or not demanding one's rights or full of mercy or discerning between the the letter and the spirit of the law. So how is that applied in our lives? Well, gentleness should characterize the elders, the leaders of the church's behavior. And since that's something that all men are to aspire to, it should characterize the lives of all men in the church. Believers need to be gentle with one another in Philippians 4, 5. Ultimately, Christians are to be gentle with all people, as it tells us in Titus 3, 2. So we are to be like our Savior when he spoke gentle words to the thief. So we should be gentle in our speech with other people, with non-believers. So three things so far, pure, peaceable, gentle. A fourth is reasonableness or reasonable. Wisdom makes you conciliatory and willing to yield when spiritual progress can be gained. If you are reasonable, no one will ever characterize you as being coarse, as sandpaper. Christ always yielded to his heavenly Father. Reasonableness does not compromise truth, but rather recognizes another's idea as important when dealing with non-absolutes. Christ himself said in John 5, I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And fifth, our wisdom should look like it's full of mercy. Since God is rich in mercy, so should you be. By God's great mercy, you were born again and made heirs of eternal life in Titus 3.5. Mercy withholds judgment and extends grace without violating justice. You can follow in the footsteps of Christ's full mercy as extended even to the harlot in John 8, uh, the first 11 verses. The wise covers... The wise love, this type of wise love, covers a multitude of sins. And sixth, wisdom should be full of good fruits. This feature is not so much about fruit and character as it is about fruit and action that qualifies to be called good. Now, not all goodness that's done apart from 
what Christ has prepared for us to walk in is good. It just appears that way on a relative scale. Like mercy, these fruits, the real good fruits, should flow in abundance. This, the pattern that James establishes follows the teaching of Jesus who demanded fruit. And this explains one major reason why God saved people for good works. In Ephesians 10, where we read, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where we read that our works were prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. So that should be one characteristic of our lives. It should also be, number seven, unwavering. With regard to the things of God, Christians are to be single-minded, without compromise, without partiality, and always consistent. If you are solidly anchored by the truth, you won't be blown away by every false doctrine or you know, latest message that's coming from some pulpits. Neither will you be double-minded. Like Christ, you should always be praying and in prayer. Um, like in Luke chapter 22, where Christ says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So even in his last moments here on earth, Christ was praying uh, to his Father. And lastly, without hypocrisy. So we're looking at eight different characteristics here. I think I'm losing my mic. Um, The first one being pure. Then second, peaceable. Third, gentle. Fourth, reasonable. Fifth, full of mercy. Sixth, full of good fruits. Seven, unwavering. And lastly, without hypocrisy. Sincere, genuine, unpretentious, without a mask, describes this quality. Your love and your faith are to be without hypocrisy. What you claim to be, you are to be. That's where our obedience comes in. We have to be obedient to what Christ says, or we won't be what we claim to be. Just as Jesus claimed to be a servant and actually served, as we know many examples of, so you need to live with transparent honesty. Your life should be an open book which can be read at any time by anyone. So let's look at, um, for a few moments here, ways that we can gain authentic Christian and spiritual wisdom that comes from our relationship with God the Father and Christ and the Holy Spirit. First, we can ask God for wisdom. When Solomon could have anything he wanted from God, he requested wisdom. Not money or gold or anything else, but wisdom and discernment. And God commended him because he did not seek long life or riches, but wisdom. Solomon, as a result, became the wisest man in history. And kings and princes traveled from all the known world to sit in his court and to listen to him um, and to his judgments. The same invitation to pray for wisdom is ours today. In James 1, 
starting in verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So we are told to ask God for wisdom. And secondly, wisdom can also be attained through God's Word. Just spending time, even like we read um, Psalm 119 this morning. God's invitation to partake of the trustworthy Scriptures remains available to every one of us. And third, wisdom closely associates itself with the Holy Spirit. God uh, fills us with the Spirit of God in wisdom, and he does, um, as he did the servants of the early church, um, and thus to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be controlled by wisdom. How could it mean anything but that? Fourth, the crowds marveled at Christ's wisdom. Luke reported that Jesus increased in wisdom as he grew. Thus, as you abide in him, you also abide and live in wisdom. Christian spirituality involves growing to be like God in character and conduct through the transforming work and wisdom of God's work, uh, his word, and his Holy Spirit. And um, the author of the book that we're using here goes on to conclude the chapter by describing five kinds of fools. And it, it's along the line of what we've talked about uh, before and what I even started out this morning about the different world views. And this is reflected in some of the descriptions of these fools that um, he talks about here. And the first fool is the person who announces there is no God and blatantly denies the existence of God. There was an infamous agnostic, Robert Angersoll, and I know that all of us probably know of others, either atheist or um, agnostics, that have said things like this, or at least uh, have thought that. Uh, You can tell by what they say. Uh, One day he publicly shook his fist at God and demanded, if you are real, strike me dead, and I give you 30 seconds to do it. Boy, that was a bold statement. Then he arrogantly got out his watch and timed God. At the end of 30 seconds, he looks skyward and says, God, you don't exist. Well, his logic really was problematic because if God did not exist, who is he talking to? You know, I know personally somebody that, a young man that uh, followed Christ um, for many years and then recently denied God and says God doesn't exist. And then something else happened in in his family's life just a a few days ago, actually. And he finally admitted uh, to his family members that it wasn't so much that he actually denied the existence of God, although that's what he said for over a year. He was angry at what God had done in his family and the trials that they had gone through. And so his anger against God's will in his life um, translated it 
itself, just like Ingersoll is saying, well, I don't believe there's a God, um, and it was actually motivated from something else because I think most men in their hearts believe that there is a God. And a second fool that's described is this fool rejects the cross of Christ. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The world bulges with religions that, are, that absolutely reject the reality of the cross and even deny its historical existence. Christ's death represents the furthest thing from their mind, and when they think of having a right relationship with God, much less is resurrection. Paul concludes this to be foolishness because these people will utterly perish. The third type of fool described is this fool who disobeys God's word with respect to salvation. This person, when asked, do you believe in a living God, might say, sure, I do, don't you? And uh, just a week ago, I had uh, the privilege to explain in a group uh, setting that, um, you know, Uh, believing in God, just knowing uh, who he is and knowing who Christ isn't sufficient for salvation. Literally hundreds and thousands of people, even millions in the world, will affirm the existence of God and the reality of the cross, but are still going to hell because they base their salvation on something other than his substitutionary death. Just knowing about somebody doesn't save you. And we're told that in James where even the demons know who Christ is and recognize him, but they shudder at his presence or at the thought of him. Violent and destructive storms can come on both types of builders, people that build their house on the rock and people that build their house in the sand. One house stood, the other fell. And why is that? Because the foolish builder failed to follow the clear word of God with respect to salvation, but the wise builder obeyed. The fourth type of fool falls to be- is someone that fails to believe all of God's word. The resurrected Christ, while walking on the road to Emmaus, met up with two disciples pouring over their hearts, pouring out their hearts in grief that Christ had been crucified and that their hopes of him being the Messiah, were dashed. Jesus appropriately responded to these men who were deeply upset over his death and doubting his promised resurrection. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So you are also fools like them if you fail to believe and appropriate all that the prophets have written, all that God's word has to say and to speak into our life, all of his precepts, all of his laws, all of what's found in Proverbs to convert our walk, to sanctify us, to make more, us more Christ-like. And finally, the fifth fool, in distinct, in distinct contrast to the previous kinds of fools, only this variation re- receives God's commendation. This fool lives life wholeheartedly for Christ's sake. Paul announced to the Corinthians, we are fools for Christ's sake. Paul 
announced to the Corinthians, we are fools for Christ's sake. Think about that. If you want to be this fool, this is the kind, a fool of any kind, this is the kind to be. Be a fool for Christ's sake. Being this kind of fool always causes God's wisdom to manifest itself in your life, in the way you think, in the characteristics that should um, make up our life, the eight characteristics that we talked about. This kind of fool honors and glorifies God, seeking to please him in all things. So the question is, this morning and every day as we get up, have you made this wise choice of being this kind of fool? If so, Richard Mayhew says that the sails of our life will always be filled with God's wisdom. Pray with me as we close. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the psalmist's devotion to knowing and keeping uh, your precepts and your commandments. Father, we pray that our life, that our daily plea might be the same as his, and that as even the Proverbs um, uh, are instilled into our life and convert our walk, that we might become, as Paul said, fools for Christ, that we might uh, be seen by all of those around us with a wisdom that is uncharacteristic of the world and that sets us apart because of God's sanctifying, because of your sanctifying work in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.